It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. everyone welcome to from the kitchen table i'm sean duffy along with my co-host of the podcast my partner in life and my wife rachel campos duffy sean it's great to be back we have a pretty salacious stories to talk about today well the first one is at least the first we're going to talk about lizzo and there are brand new fresh allegations on a pretty gross story but i think it's important it has to really deep cultural implications and also we're going to talk about the barbie movie which has now surpassed a billion. It is now the number one um, most highest grossing movie ever directed by a woman. And in the midst of that, um, more more people weighing in on the lie of the patriarchy that is pushed in this movie and how, you know, it could have, it was so, such a fun movie and they kind of just ruined it. We've talked about that before, but, but there's a new advance to this, which is that Bill Maher, has weighed in on Barbie. I know you want to hear what Bill Maher has to say about Barbie. I would love what Bill Maher says. I'm actually surprised he went to see Barbie. He doesn't seem like quite the audience. But to help us break down both these stories, starting with Lizzo, um, is our own daughter, Evita Duffy, who is a writer at The Federalist. Evita, how are you? Doing good. Um, Yeah, I mean, this Lizzo story is crazy. Before we started the podcast, I actually asked, do you really want me to tell you all the details? Because it's so bad. Um, so last week, Lizzo was accused Evita, by three before of- start, Before you start, Evita, why don't you tell, so there may, we may have some listeners who don't know who Lizzo is. So why don't you break, who is Lizzo? Why is she so important? Yeah, for, and for your dad too. Why do I care about Lizzo? <laughs> who is she? Do you know who Lizzo is? You know who Lizzo is. Lizzo can't is, miss her. Lizzo is a <laughs> mega pop star. I mean, she she's had- multiple um, number one songs over the last few years. She's huge, particularly among younger Gen Zers. She, she's she's massive, um, both, <laughs> both in the music industry and physically. And it's been her, her brand, actually, a huge part of her brand has been that she is an obese woman, a Black, obese, LGBTQ plus woman. And these allegations really get to the heart of of this this identity that she's created for herself because it's so backward. So last week she had three backup singer or dancers say that she has uh, body shamed them and also coerced them into participating in these really awful sexual acts. So they they say that at a sex club in Amsterdam, Lizzo and all of her staff um, went there and allegedly Lizzo coerced her dancers into touching nude performers um, and then eating bananas protruding from other performers' vaginas. It was a really awful, disgusting experience. And then these women have come forward and now are suing Lizzo. But new allegations have come this week, actually yesterday, saying that Lizzo, um, she, I guess she has, you know, been involved in more sexually um, inappropriate behavior with with other employees of hers and also is being accused um, of failure to pay them. And in the midst of all this, her fans have really felt betrayed and her um, she's lost hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. Her upcoming um, performance at a music festival in September was canceled and her her streaming numbers, her airplay time and her record sales have all plummeted. It's been disastrous for Lizzo. 
So she ha- gave a statement to the New York Times. She says, I usually choose not to respond to false allegations, but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed. Uh, she says these sensationalized stories are coming from former employees who have already publicly admitted that they were told their behavior on tour was inappropriate and unprofessional. So she is categorically denying these things and actually saying, I'm not the one in, who's inappropriate. It's my 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 dancers. Right. And I, but but I think it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, the damage has been done, unfortunately, in the, in the court of public opinion. She's really been felt felt very she's been very, uh, you know, taken away like her fans have not have not rallied around her they don't they're not defending her everyone's very disturbed by this mostly with the irony that she's being accused of being a sexual harasser a bully and a fat phobic when she's built her whole brand around being you know this fat anti-bullying woman right and she said can i just say she said the, the plaintiffs have said that um, the charges they make they say are sexual religious racial harassment, disability discrimination, assault, and false imprisonment. They say that their work environment was overtly sexual and that outings and nudity were, and sexuality were a, uh, with outings, nudity and sexuality were the focal point. And so, Bita, walk me back. I, I believe that uh, this is not uh, Lizzo's first engagement with with uh, with public outcry and and, and backlash. Weren't people saying things to her online about her own weight? And didn't the online community come and rally around her that we shouldn't, you know, fat shame anybody or or body shame people? And she was the the hero of the online community of being proud of of, of her weight and her sexuality. And um and that was her jam for a while, wasn't it? Well, and she really brought it upon herself because no one would I mean, people, performers, actors, celebrities in general, everybody comes in all shapes and sizes and nobody's really focusing on your body. They're focusing on, you know, your 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 craft. Right. If you're an actor, focusing on your how well you are of an actor. If you're a singer like Lizzo, what is your music like? Let's focus on your music. But Lizzo purposely said, you know, you cannot separate me and my body and my self-love for my obese body from my music. We are, you know, intertwined. And so when people like Jillian Michaels, who famously said um, she's Jillian Michaels is a is a workout. You had her on the podcast. Yeah, you had her on the podcast. She's she's a she's, you know, a that's what she's I mean, she's known for for health and fitness. And she said, you know, why why can't we talk about Lizzo's music instead of focusing on her body? Because that's one, that's a personal thing. And and two, if she's going to be promoting obesity, which Lizzo does on a daily basis, that's not actually really good for people to be hearing, right? We want people to be healthy and and have a long life and not get heart disease. And Lizzo and all of her fans clapped back and said, no, we should be celebrating her body. Um, and, and that's really where the irony is, right? Because she has intertwined her public persona with her weight, um, made it the her entire brand. And now everybody's sort of like, well, you, you can't have it both ways, Lizzo. You can't be, you know anti-fat phobia, but then be a fat phobic person yourself. And had she actually said, you know, we're, I'm just going to be a musician who happens to be overweight. Um, I don't think the the public outcry would be as severe as it is right now. I don't know. I mean, look, I'm looking at the charges that um, are being made about what she said to the dancer. So apparently 
I mean, it is ironic to have this very large woman be your boss and actually ask you about your weight and have you explain why they said that they she would ask. They didn't say you gained weight, you're fired, is what the, the people said. They said she would say, well, it seems like you're gaining weight. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Like this is, you know, and so these people, unhealthy. it's unhealthy, which is the whole thing is, 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 is crazy. But honestly, it's the sexual accusations that are the most troubling and the most disgusting, Evita. Well, they are gross. And I think we might have some disagreement here because I, I, I do, I, I admit that Lizzo is in a position of power when she's supposed, allegedly coercing her employees to be engaging in these sexual acts. But as an individual, I would say if I if my boss said we're going to go to a sex party in Amsterdam and and then if, if I if one, I decide to go there and then two, if we get there and she's coercing me into doing all these things, I would just say no. Like, I think I'm the kind of person that would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm not going to do that. And and I don't I'm, I'm not sure that peer pressure really is is warranted for a lawsuit. I really think that these women probably should have just stepped away and said no or decided not to go to this this sex party in the first place. Um, I, I I do admit that she's in a position of power, but I think a strong-willed person would be would say, you know, I'm I'm just not going to do those things. Well, I mean, I I I I'm sorry. I agree that women have agency and that that these women should not have agreed to go to the club, should not have agreed to do the act. But you cannot take away the fact that Lizzo has tremendous power over them. So imagine you're on this tour. You're in the middle of the tour. You're in Amsterdam. You're away from your home, your family. Maybe you're a single mom. I, I don't know the, the the background of you. Maybe you know a little bit more about these dancers and what they're like. Maybe you're supporting a dying you know, mother with cancer. We have no idea what the circumstances are and why they this how important this job is to them. It should not be part of the job description to keep your job <laughs> to that you have to go to a sex club with Lizzo and do gross things that she wants you to do. And so ultimately, this lawsuit on its face, just because of the power structure there, um, I think is 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 merited. Now, on a moral basis, I think you can say it was immoral and a very poor choice for these women to go along, regardless of the financial consequences. But ultimately, I think the um, onus is on and the responsibility and the lawsuit is legit because no boss should be asking anybody to go to a sex club, must much less perform sex acts. We should, listen, hold on a second. So th- there is there is some equity here in the sense that if a man was accused of the same thing, they would be taken down immediately. That Lizzo gets to feel some of that same pain. I'm like, okay, we should all live by the same set yeah. of rules. So that th- that's positive. But I don't like that these are the rules by which we live. That just accusation makes someone guilty. Right. I don't maybe, maybe these are agreed dancers that want to take Liz Get money and they're, and they're, they want money and they want to, you know, if they if they band together, they can create a storyline that um, has great impact and effect on a, a boss. They may not like may not because she's, you know, forced them or encouraged them to do these, you know, sex acts at a strip club in Amsterdam more. She might have been just a bad boss. And this is a way that they, they can get back at her. I think we do have to before we judge and and and, and cast judgment. Um, or decision, we have to wait and go. What are the facts? I mean, these are these credible people. Are they? Did, did this really happen? Anyone else observe what happened in the strip club? That would be helpful. But it's interesting that the 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 the, the culture and online community that has helped build her up. These accusations come, and they've done the same thing to the opposite effect. They've torn her down. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Well, she says, by the way, uh, this is Lizzo. She says, I'm very open with my sexuality and expressing myself, but I cannot accept or allow people to use that openness to make me out to be something I am not. Uh, Evita, do these, you know, I think Sean's right that, you know, that could, we, we can't, you know, judge her before, you know, this entire investigation's out. How credible are these, um, are these accusations? And let's talk a little bit more about for so long, she's had, I think, a pass on some other things that she's done simply because she has fit so many boxes, victim boxes. Um, maybe she's finally reached the end limit of that, but she's this isn't the first time that she's um, done some questionable things. Right. Well, I mean, nine now we're at nine accusers. So that I mean that's a large number. I think dad's right that you are innocent until proven guilty, but um it does appear that there was at the very least some a, a questionable work environment that she was creating. Um and we, we won't know that until it's it's heard in in law, but I also just think from a from a cultural standpoint, irrespective of whether these allegations are are legit. Uh, we can't be judging people by the boxes that they check, right? These victimhood boxes. Everybody's always trying to assert um, their 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 standing in a protected class, whether that be with race or sexuality or or how fat you are. It doesn't tell you anything about who that person is. Um, and with Lizzo, people just automatically sort of assume, oh, she's she's great. She must be amazing because. She's a minority who's fat and LGBTQ plus. And in reality, that doesn't tell us anything about who a person is. And I, I think we we fall into this this issue all the time, right? I mean, think about what's happening with with the school system and this recent Supreme Court ruling about affirmative action. Um, the school says this these things will make us a, a better, more diverse school, right? If we have if we're able to discriminate based off of sexual orientation or race, right? And the reality is that the best way to create an interesting, unique uh, campus is by looking at individuals and their individual uh, experiences and accomplishments um, and, and, and who they are as a person instead of what kind of group they belong to. And it's it's the it's a real problem in our society at large. I think that we continue to judge people based off of immutable qualities and and not real things that quantify um, who you are. So, are you suggesting that 
you know, though she's now facing some financial pain and she's been canceled from this concert, et cetera, that had she been a white male superstar, she would have gone down, he would have gone down quicker than Lizzo, like that Lizzo, you know, in terms of his reputation. I don't know. I don't know about quicker. I just, I, I do know that, you know, we, we, I just think that we should be, we should be judging people based off of real things. Right. And not, and not these boxes because they don't tell us about anything. I mean, sh- it's, it's certainly true that after all this came out, Lizzo has not been off the hook. Um, those, those victimhood boxes couldn't protect her from how salacious these allegations are. Um, and so I'm not going to say that they they really actually were effective in protecting her when when it really came down to it. Um, but as a general rule, people are given more opportunities in the workplace and in school or even in in the in the entertainment industry based off of these really stupid standards that have to do with race and sex and sexual orientation and all um, and not really about. Uh, what what matters and how good you are at your job um, or how smart you are or how talented you are. And I think that that's a problem. Well, I, listen, I, I, yes, there's been consequence to Lizzo, uh, do, uh, but I think she does have some Teflon on her because I, I disagree with you. If, you take, if, there, if this was a white man who had these allegations against them, <laughs> their record label would drop them. Their their media team would drop them. Every yeah. concert would drop them. They would be canceled across every platform the the wrath that would come if a white man had these allegations would be immediate and by everybody. So Lizzo oh, has had some consequences. Oh, I think I think that is a hundred percent right. I'm going to give you a perfect example. Last summer, Jason Aldean's wife, not Jason Aldean, but his wife, posted a tweet, basically saying an anti-trans tweet, saying we should protect children from this quote unquote gender affirming transitions and that it's that that's wrong, that we shouldn't be mutilating and castrating our children. She put a tweet out like that. Jason Aldean's PR team um, and I believe his agent dropped him. Um, So that's not even something that he did. He just touched on the wrong. His wife touched on on a sacred, you know, cow cow for the uh, for the uh, uh, left and already had consequences. Imagine if Jason Aldean, who wrote the song criticizing... Um, try That in a Small Town. Try Yeah, the song Try That in a Small Town. Imagine, and you, saw, you all know all the controversy around that song, which no one from a small town can understand why there was controversy. But um, imagine if these accusations came out against white Jason Aldean, who's openly conservative, at least in terms of law enforcement, and... And somebody said he took his backup dancers to a sex club and made them perform sex acts. This thing, we wouldn't be debating this. We would not be even talking about this. One concert she's been canceled from, Jason Aldean would have, his his career would be over. You're absolutely right, Sean. Thank you. Can I? I, Absolutely right. Let me just push back for a second. I know like we, I think. Generally, I think that, that, that there's some truth to that. But I think the real the real protected class is is not necessarily based on your race or your sex or whatever it is, whatever victim box you check. Be- only because I-, I think about Woody Allen, right? Who's like a longtime Democrat who got away with marrying his adoptive daughter with a 40 year age gap 
and people kind of talk about it, but he still has a career in Hollywood and it's okay. I also think about um, on the out now, Vida, that's not fair. I mean, after Me Too, all that resurfaced and suddenly, and you're right, there were a lot of people who let it pass for many, many decades, um, but or at least a few decades, but uh, the he, he is not. He can't be in polite society anymore okay, after okay, me too. Yeah. Okay, so fine. You don't want to use Woody Woody on example. Let's no, let's no, but go ahead. Go ahead. But just let's, let's let's clear that he's not living the life he used to lead. But he did get away with it for a while. Okay, let's talk about the guy the guy who's responsible for for FTX, Sam Bankman Fried, who got away. Was a straight white male gets away with with charges, um, defrauding literally like thousands of people and mostly small time investors who've lost sometimes in some cases everything over it causing suicides um for what this this man has done and then i'm thinking also about Jeffrey Epstein who got away another white straight man who got away um with with horrible um not just money laundering but the exploitation of young girls and tra- trafficking for years um until it became untenable for for law enforcement to ignore I think it has more to do with how useful you are to Democrats and the regime at large um, than it does with really being black or what. Because because you know, think about I think about you know uh, Thomas. I'm not why am I? Oh, Clarence Thomas, who's 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 a black man who checks that box off, but is completely destroyed by the left. I mean, battered every week with some horrible story about this poor man. Um, and and it he's and he's you know as innocent as they get, right? We we what was the famous line that he said? This is a a high tech lynching. It doesn't th- those right. things really don't matter. What matters is your utility to the left. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's there's that. ideology probably. Yeah, ideology definitely trumps. There there's no no pun intended. Ideology will is the most important factor. But Lizzo checks a lot of boxes, and which is why she may be flailing in the wind right now. But I still think that Dad's right. That had she not had she not checked all those boxes, um, there would be no one waiting around to see the outcome of this of this jury. Um, it would the, the answer would be swift. We'll have more of this conversation after this. So let's move Evita to another topic because it's it's actually kind of related. So we did a we had you on to talk about the Barbie movie, which you and I thought was deliciously fun for about a third of the movie, and then was just a patriarchal man hating mess after, and and kind of ruined the fun. Well, Bill Maher has come out with um, uh, his thoughts. Who knew that Bill Maher was going to go watch Barbie? And Sean, do you want to read a little bit of what, what Bill Maher's review of Barbie is? Yes. And, by, and can I just say this? This is now passed, as I said before, a billion dollars in sales. Huge. Huge movie. Um, I did not give any of my money I know. to the movie because I didn't go. And I just to be clear on this podcast, I did object, not to Rachel going, but a couple of our little girls went and it had to be deprogrammed after I objected to I that. did do the deprogramming. <laughs> Rachel, uh, Rachel, I did. So if if any of my conservative allies want to light her up, they can. <laughs> he's, he's setting the the mob off on you. So listen. So Bill Maher wrote a review of of Barbie, um, which he saw. I did not, but in part, what he said is spoiler alert: Barbie fights the patriarchy right up to the Mattel board who created her, consisting of twelve white men. So twelve white men in the movie. The patriarchy, except there is a Mattel board in real life, and it's seven men and five women. Okay, not perfectly even, 
Stephen, but uh, not, <laughs> I can't read this thing. Just, not even Stephen. Yeah. Not even, not even Stephen. Really small print. Anyway. Um, you get so, it. But, but the point is, in the Mattel movie, Bill Maher's pointed out, they, they, Barbie's going to fight the Mattel board of all men. But in real life, Mattel does have a board, and the Mattel board is split up seven men and five women. And it's a really good point. So they, they try to make it make all these male strong men arguments in the movie, when in reality, again, I'll just look around my own life and say, hey, there's a lot of women in the places that I work or have worked that women are in charge. That are running stuff, and I yeah. Know, I know friends that are running, are, are working at businesses that are run by women. And to say that, to say that men still run the world is an absolute fundamental lie. And to promote that even by saying the board of Mattel is made of men when that's 100% false is a bold-faced lie for the Right. He goes on to say, I was hoping it wouldn't be preachy, man-hating, and a, and a hashtag zombie lie. Alas, it was all three. And he, he kind of makes fun of the movie in, a, in an interesting way by saying, listen, was there a patriarchy at one point? Yes. But this movie feels so dated and out of touch with reality. And, and actually, that is how I felt. I felt like I wanted to go back to Barbie world and experience sort of the whole retro Barbie thing. And then they brought me into reality. But the reality wasn't actually reality. The reality was sort of, you know, I don't know, circa, he claims circa 2000 and two, late you know, late 2000, I would say circa 1980. Exactly. In fact, he points out in his thing that, you know, of the 449 board seats filled last year in the fortune 500, 45% of them were filled by women. And the reality is, Evita, all of us know if there's a board seat available and, and me, you and Sean all have equal, um, education and skill sets and experience if i say i'm a gay latina woman i'm gonna i'm the the seat is mine i mean we all know the truth about this gay latina woman with nine children even better i don't know i actually think the nine kids for the liberals would work against me because no 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 the nine kids makes me and no the nine kids makes me an eco-terrorist for sure and so now i maybe i would actually not get the job because you know, the anti-natalist left thinks I'm taking too much carbon up in this home. But in any case, we all get the joke, right, Evita? Right. And I got to watch, like, I've sat on it a few times. I've talked about it on TV. I've just seen the movie. And I got to tell you, what really bothers me the most about it is is really what I learned in college, right? Because this whole, this whole idea that men rule the world, that women are constantly being undercut, um, is annoying to inject into the Barbie movie, which was supposed to be really fun and and also, you know, geared towards mothers and daughters. So it's just, it kind of just put a damper on the whole first two thirds of the film, which like you said, were so sparkly and awesome. Um, and what bothered me is if, if we're going to talk about discrimination in in the workplace or just in American society at large, and this goes back to what I was saying before, it's all ideological the amount of times that I have, because I ran a conservative newspaper newspaper in college, the amount of times that I had students come up to me and say, I want to write a story, but I want to be anonymous because I don't want my future employer to see that I was published in a conservative, dinky little college newspaper. Or the amount of times that I had people during COVID come up to me and say, and, and say, you know, I, I want you to write about this COVID experience that happened to me, but you have to blow out my face. You can't name my name because I don't want 
anybody to know that I wasn't actually following the COVID edicts. The, people are afraid. And, oh, and then I had, even when I was in college Republicans, which was much more benign than our college newspaper, there were kids who would come to our meeting every week but said, I'm sorry, I can't be in the picture at the end of the month because I don't want anybody to potentially see me and then it ruined my internship or job you know, aspirations. That is real. People really okay. are afraid to to have their careers disrupted just because they're associated with conservative thinking. And so it, it really annoys me to talk about, to, to have this movie focus on it being about women when in reality, it's about ideology. That is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. It is about ideology. Sean, you, you were trying, you, you were saying that you've been to her college Republicans. No, and, and, and we took a picture after when I spoke to her college Republicans, I was in Congress and a couple of the kids would not get in the picture uh, for that, for that very reason. Howard. But here's, but here's what I also find interesting, Abita, is that all the little girls that go to that movie who don't know the way the world works today, walk away with the view of the, of the patriarchy. And that as women, we have to fight for our equal place in society when they don't realize that actually there is an equal place, equal footing in um, in our in our economic structure for women and men both to rise up equally. And maybe there's a leftist view to this where it's like, I need more little radical women out there of to be part of the revolution mm-hmm. um, to, to not just fight the patriarchy, but to, 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 to fight capitalism and to help usher in a new system of government. You need you know, revolutionaries to do that. And this is a way to get young girls to start the thought process through a very benign movie of sparkly little Barbie, but also with a message that your life can't be controlled by men. And by the way, you also may have to rethink, we talked about this before, but you have to rethink your life structure as a whole. And whether you should get married to a Ken doll or not, maybe marriage isn't best for you. Right. No, I definitely think there was. Fighting men is better than marrying men. Right. I think I think you're spot on. I think one, it gave people, it gave girls, young girls who don't know how corporate America works and how how many opportunities at, are actually available to women at all points. Um, you know, and by the way, a lot of these little girls can feel it already in their in their elementary school, where you know there's STEM for girls. Well, what about STEM for boys? You know, like uh, there's just a lot of opportunities that are girl-centric already in elementary, junior high, high school that for some reason are not inclusive of boys. I mean, there are people writing entire books about the war on boys. And we've had many conversations on this podcast about how boys are now being discriminated in place of girls. So that for sure is is wrong. And I also think, obviously, this this message was an anti-marriage, anti-man message. And in fact, Bill Maher talks about how it's man-hating. And um, anybody who has sons, and watch that movie and or or loves their husband and watch that movie could see that men all the men were 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 either evil or stupid and pathetic and in the end barbie says decides she doesn't want to marry ken and she goes off into you know quote unquote the real world to sort of find herself outside of the confines of barbie land and marriage and so we never get to see the the barbie you know wedding well there was the barbie wedding I, you know, I told you this, that this is a big deal for me. I wanted the Barbie wedding, Ken and, and Barbie, and and eventually got it. But we, but we don't get to enjoy that because marriage is a bad thing and women um, and the patriarchy and, and you know, yes. So there's all that part of it, Evita. Well, I, I also just want to comment on what 
what other conservatives and then also what the left has been saying about our reaction to this, right? People that have had sort of a negative visceral reaction to the Barbie movie. They're like, oh, these conservatives, they're freaking out over a stupid Barbie movie. It's supposed to be fun. You know, they say, look at how crazy they are. Look at how stupid they are. And I, and I'm hearing that both on the right and the left. I think Joe Rogan said it literally yesterday that I can't understand this, this anger over the Barbie movie. And let me explain for a second, because you're right. Like the Barbie movie, most of it wasn't about most of the film, just in terms of time length, right? It wasn't about um, all of this, this feminism and, and the patriarchy and whatnot. Um, but that's kind of what bothers me the most about the film is that it's wrapped up in this pink sparkly bow and in it is injected ideology that is really destructive. And because it's sort of subliminal, that makes it yes. much more powerful and even more uh, destructive. And so we, we talk about creating this false narrative that there is, you know, a patriarchy that's working against you. Well, one, that's a lie, right? Because I just told you the real the real discrimination is happening on an ideo- ideological basis, not based off of your sex or your sexual orientation or your gender or whatever. Um, and then it's also lying to girls because what this is the same problem with affirmative action. You, when you tell somebody that the world is set up against you, then they're going to go into the world with a really negative perspective, almost one that says, I can never win. I might as well just give up now. The same thing happens with Blacks and Hispanics when they're constantly told, oh, the system's rigged against you, which it's actually rigged for you, right? But they say the system's rigged against you, and then they constantly have this, this feeling that they can never get ahead. And then if they do, they have this sense of inferiority, like it was only given to them because they're Black or Hispanic or because they're a woman. So it creates so many problems in society, not just for the white straight males that are getting excluded all the time, but also for for the psychology of these, you know, supposed protected classes um, that the film is supposed to be about. And I, I just I, I, it's really infuriating to me. And it's also annoying when people say, oh, you're 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 blowing out of proportion because we're not these things, even when they're small and they're wrapped up in pretty pink, sparkly bows need to be pointed out and addressed. Um, and and denounced with a lot of 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 um, passion because otherwise they slide into the radar and poison our society. I think you're so spot on with that, Avita. That it is a very subversive movie in that regard. It's a very subversive, and that's why you know, Sean, when you criticize me for taking the kids, you know, you're right. I you know, I just they're so Barbie obsessed. I knew they were going to watch it anyway. We might as well watch it together. And I was I did try my best to try and unpack and 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 deconstruct some of these negative messages about marriage and about life and about the patriarchy and and about reality. And I think that that was all super um, important. And I think you're right. It, we are right to make a stink about it and not let this fly under the radar and let those messages take root with young, very impressionable little girls. Um, 100% on that. I do want to say, I think the billion dollars, um, the real heroes of this movie um, was not this director who I think, Greta Gerwig, who I think is 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 not as impressive as everybody thinks she is. Um, and, and this movie proves it, that she just spoiled the fun. Uh, but the true heroes and the true artists of this movie were the set designers, were the costume designers. Um, uh, by the way, Ryan Gosling was brilliant in his in his um, just embracing the role of Ken and what he had to work with there. Um, the song, I, I'm just, 
I'm just Ken. I mean, there were some really amazing cultural, um, if you loved Barbie, you just had to smile, laugh. I mean, there were great moments in this film. No question about it, especially for the Barbie fan. But it is also equally important what you're pointing out, Evita, which is how subversive it was. Well, I think the conservatives today are at a point where they're, they've been told to sit down, shut up, don't fight back, don't push back. Um, just accept this cultural revolution as it happens and, and it unfolds in your life. And what you found maybe um, since Bud Light or since the, the the Target protests, that they feel like they have a little more power and control and are willing to to comment on culture and get involved in the culture because they understand now more than ever that it's truly meaningful. Yeah, it impacts matters. life. Um, and so it's it's good on them. So, yeah, you can make a complaint like Joe Rogan and say, this is all fun and stop doing the fun of Barbie. No, there's, there's a more serious war at play. And it is for the war of the future and, and what our kids are going to believe and how they're going to be indoctrinated. And that's a fight worth fighting. And so I think the, I mean, the Rogans of the world are wrong on that. And I think we should be attentive to, I think this was Avita's point, to the smallest details of this cultural push to move us further to the left. Um, and so good on conservatives for criticizing, critiquing and pushing back on the movie. And we need to get involved culturally. I mean, we need to really encourage uh, young people to go into the arts, to go into writing. Screenwriters yeah. and directors have so much power over culture. And we'll never make it there as a conservative. You need you need we need our own level. ecosystem, 100 yes. percent. And so what I want to see and I've, I've been really edified as well, Sean, and your list of things that conservatives have either pushed back on, but in this case, promoted and, and bought into, which was the Sound of Freedom movie, right? I mean, yeah. um, you know, really defying what all the critics um, thought it could do in terms of the, the, the power of the money it's making, but also the power of its message, fighting back on people trying to minimize what the message is, saying it was QAnon, even though it was actually written years before QAnon was even on the scene. By the way, just yesterday, um, Sean, you and I were talking about a raid that happened, a big FBI sting operation where, in fact, some FBI agents lost their lives rescuing children who had been caught up in sex trafficking and the arrest of, of a of a whole ring of pedophiles. So they say that it's QAnon and yet seeing these arrests happening. Um, so it's not a lie. It's not your imagination. And this film is not, um, uh, you know, is, is based on a real legit problem. But the next step is going beyond these kinds of topics and, and why isn't somebody who's maybe not just conservative, but even just fair-minded and not pushing a leftist ideology, directing a really mass appeal movie like Barbie. Um, and now we see that Greta Gerwig, Evita, much to our horror, is now going to redo Narnia um, for Netflix, which I don't understand because the Narnia movies were so well done and so true to the Narnia books, which, by the way, have a very Christian message. So now look for the Marxist version of Narnia to go on to Netflix and all of our children. So it's not enough for them to create films that, you know, push their agenda. Now they're going to co-opt uh, the beautiful classics that have Christian messages, and they're going to undermine those and retell those stories. Well, and they do it on purpose, right? I mean, Greta Gerwig also is... Um, directing the upcoming Snow White film. And I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but you and I talked about it, Mom, for sure. 
um, where the the young Snow White actress basically says Snow White is going to be about, um, you know, Snow White becoming the leader that her father knew she could be because she's not going to be waiting around for a man, which is completely <laughs> antithetical to the entire original and intended uh, messaging behind Snow White. And we, this is what, and they're doing with Narnia too. They, they either, they reject the stories um, and the cultural traditions that we have, or they repurpose them for Marxism. And that's what they're doing with Narnia. That's what they, that's what they do with, um, with, that's what they're going to do with Snow White. And that's what they did with Barbie. They said, okay, here's this thing that everybody loves. That's part of Western Civ. How can we take that profit off of the popularity and also inject our own um, subversive Marxist messaging. And by the way, feminism yeah, is, is an offshoot of Marxism, right? It's all identity politics and identity politics um, is, has usurped um, the, the, the working class versus the upper class um, dichotomy that you had in, in the older forms of Marxism. Yeah. Interesting. And it's, it's, these are important conversations. Our culture, our culture is important. Um, and these movies are a big part of our culture and who makes the movies, who remakes the movies uh, truly matters. And what dumb conservative moms go and buy tickets like Rachel did. And, and I couldn't movies. resist Barbie. But I did, I, I to be fair, I watched the movie with Vita, with um, with our, our, um, our, our three of our, our other daughters. Was it three of them? No, four of them, right? Was it all of us girls that went? Or was it, it no, it Lucia, was, was, Lucia wasn't there plus a neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> And so we all went, but we had a very long conversation in the car on the ride home where we talked to them about the importance of marriage, the the need that women have and men have for each other, um, and 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 really how upset we were that Ken and Barbie didn't end up getting married. Yeah, they didn't get married. Oh, well, good gravy. Um, by the way, just one of uh, several, several, several of our listeners actually wrote and gave you a hard time. About yeah, they did. It's, uh, that, it's, a, it's a fair criticism. But, and listen, to be fair to you, the, the, the girls really wanted to see it. And again, if you are going to take your kids, you do have to unpack it for them, which you did on the way home with a, with a Vita's help as well. So um, listen, I, wait, I was nice just conversation. Say, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when we talk about the Barbie movie and, and having mom make the decision to go see it, you and then actually have a conversation with all of us about it afterward. You have to do if you're sending your kid to a regular school, even if it's a Catholic school, you have to do that every day. Every day at the dinner table, you have to sit them down and be like, okay, what'd you learn and how how can I reprogram you? I mean, that's just that's just life in 2023 or 2022 or whatever, you know. Yeah. And by the way, the decision to go to Barbie was a, a hard rot one. I mean, like it was just like them constantly bugging me, also curious. I love Barbie. Um, and then making a decision, we're gonna go with the Vita and we're gonna, we're gonna kind of break down the messages and enjoy the good parts. Um, but also, you know, at some point we are part of the culture. This is happening. We can't put our heads in the sand and pretend that they're not going to watch it somehow in some way. Um, and so we, we we did that. But that said, um, I think you're, I think you're right, Evita. Um, unless you're sending your kids to a classical school, you're probably going to have to be doing daily deprogramming anyway. And Sean's always talking about that. Um, all right. Well, Evita, it's great conversation. Thank you so much for helping us to break down the gross Lizzo story. Um, and we'll see, we'll follow up and see how that turns out. But also um, the the follow-up on on the movie, uh, on the Barbie movie, which um, is indeed anti-man. We do these topics, Evita, and I'm always impressed as your father at how thoughtful 
um, you are on unpacking these stories. So um, as a prop dad, thanks for joining us at the kitchen table. Hopefully soon we'll be in person with you um, as you enjoy the cabin and we don't. Yeah, she's so. out in Wisconsin enjoying yes. the cabin um, <laughs> while we're here working. Uh, but anyway, uh, we love you, Avita. Thanks a lot. Listen, everyone, thank, thank you, you for joining our podcast. Thank you. thank you, Avita. If you like the podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we'd appreciate that. You get a notice every time uh, our podcast drop, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, again, you can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. Until next time. And you can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us uh, where else? As I said, wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you there. get your podcast. That's we're right. Everywhere, wherever you are. So um, subscribe. Bye, Bye everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.